Well, folks, thanks for coming back and listening to episode two, I guess season two. Uh, hope you're finding value in these podcasts. That's my main motivation. Uh, before I get on to what I'm going to talk about today, I, I wanted to clear up a comment I said on the last podcast. I said this, when the stock price goes down, the dividend yield goes up. That is a correct statement, however, maybe a, a little misleading. I listened back to the podcast, and it would be better said that the yield will be higher when a stock goes down, but you'd have to put new money into that stock to get that higher yield. Does that make sense? So say I bought Johnson & Johnson for $100 a share and my dividend yield was 3%. If I had invested $10,000, that would give me an annual dividend payment of $300. Now, if the stock price goes down to, say, $50 a share, a new investor would have his dividend yield be 6%. But for me, I still only own 100 shares. But if I put new money in of $10,000 at $50 a share, I would now own $200, or 200 shares, therefore my yield on the $10,000 goes up. I hope that helps. I just didn't want to make the impression that the yield goes up when the stock goes down. It does, but not on your investment, only on new money. Now, as I've said, I've been getting emails from all over the world, and I get such great insight and questions, and I appreciate the email, emails. And in case you are a new listener, my email is jkok 7 at hotmail.com. With that said, I've received several comments about not picking stocks for people, and I don't think I've articulated why. There are several reasons, and I'll go through a couple, but first and foremost, I'm not a stock-picking guru. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't want to mislead anyone into thinking I am. I've owned some great companies at different times, and I've been fairly successful. However, you're not going to see me on any stock-picking shows because I I'm a home gamer, a novice, not a professional. I've made some money. I've lost some money making bad decisions for whatever reason. Usually it's because I don't stick to my plan or what I call my metrics. I just don't want to pick stocks for folks and lead them to believe that I have some sort of insight because I just don't. I make money, I lose money, and as the former is more than the latter, hopefully I'll keep my head above water. I would just feel horrible leading people astray on a stock, and believe me, it would happen. This simply has to be your individual decision. You wouldn't let me go buy you a car. Heck, my wife won't. Or pick a house out for you or a dress or a suit. Why would you let me pick a stock for you? I've mentioned my sister would never own tobacco stocks. That doesn't bother me, but it does her. So it's such an individual choice. And my goal is to teach you how to pick your own stock. Another reason is, and this is probably the biggest reason, you have to do the work. Let me say it again. You have to do the work yourself. If you're looking for the simple answer or the holy grail to pick stocks, then listening to my podcast is probably not the right place for you. And if you find that holy grail, please, you got my email, send me a note. You should probably get a financial advisor, but this podcast is about doing it yourself. And I would suggest that you take control of your own financial decisions and education. My mantra is, and I'll keep on saying it, I made the money. Nobody cares about it as much as I do. I'm going to manage it. With that said, the stock market is not simple. It's really not. I talk a lot about that, and people are always looking for simple answers. It's probably the wrong arena for your investments then. 
When I say do the work, I'm simply saying to be as engaged and understand some simple metrics such as I've laid out or others if you listen to others. Read the financial news, particularly as it pertains to a stock you're interested in, and be decisive. I would honestly say if you're not willing to put in some work, it's going to be much more difficult and probably a lot less successful. You know, I've seen some trends on my podcast stats. I'll be transparent with you. I get stats on how many people listen to each episode. With episode one, season one, I have the most downloads. That's awesome. People are looking for information. I mentioned in the last podcast that only about 60% of people listen to the second podcast. Now, I don't know if that's bad or good. It really doesn't matter. Maybe it's just a lack of quality or too simple or too complicated or they hate my voice. I've always said I'm an acquired taste, like scotch. I said that too many times to people over the years, and sometimes I get the comment, they go, yeah, I don't like scotch either. <laughs> Let's just say it this way. I'm an acquired taste. I get that. So keeping on with my thought process, however, those that listen to episode two, keep with it and listen to the rest. It's going to give you the tools you need to help you make your own decisions. Then the most surprising stat is that my last episode in season one is called The End. It spikes. It spikes almost as high as season one. Wow. But what that tells me is that there's some folks looking for some kind of holy grail, wisdom, easy roadmap, the answers, whatever. Maybe the thinking is, hey, let's cut the crap and get to the end. I just want to know what the holy grail is. Well, I'm sure they're disappointed. Why? Because you have to put the work in. The work is in the middle of the episodes. For a full stop, when you put in the work, take it seriously and make some great investment choices. Guess what? It's going to be very rewarding. I mean, it is really fun and rewarding. You ventured into one of the most complicated investment arenas, and you did it. You won. You've taken the first step. You've taken control of your investments and your financial future. And you know what? Nobody else is going to. And you know what else? What? It's fun. So my counsel is own it, study it, take control of your own path, be proud of what you accomplished, and celebrate your success. I heard a great motivational speaker once who said, take your knowledge and spray it. I just love that. And what he's basically saying is take your knowledge and share it. Isn't it simply a great feeling in life to help others, even when you don't have to, even when the only outcome is to help them? Well, if you don't know me, simply that's what I'm all about. In conclusion of this rant, there are main reasons I don't pick stocks. These are the main reasons I don't pick stocks for people. I don't listen to the talking heads that pick stocks, but guess what? I do run them through my metrics when somebody throws out a stock to look at. My last thought on the subject is I do love talking stocks. I have a neighbor I've lived across the street from from over 20 years. We golf, we chat, we talk stocks. I've learned a lot from him over the years, and he mentioned a stock two days ago, a stock that was not on my radar. So I studied it, and I ran it through my metrics, and I did some research. I bought the stock after hours on Wednesday because I liked it, and on Thursday it went up 7%. So I go, thanks, neighbor. Yes, to all you out there, I love talking stocks, just not picking them for you, just for me. Because if you put in the work, you can do it. My pop always said, if you don't believe in yourself, who will? Now, moving on. I just heard the other day from a recently retired buddy that he didn't think now was the time to invest in the stock market because of the volatile nature of the market. My opinion, I hate to say wrong, but he, he, he's not right. Let's just say it that way. If you're waiting for a calm market and calm waters, move on, man. The market's not for you. It'll always be crazy and volatile. Something will always come up to make the market move. 
I said before that the market is more of a study of sociology than science. You can't time the market. Nobody has crystal balls, and anyone says they do, I would not listen to them. I would say, though, that Warren Buffett says, when everyone was running out of the building, you run in. Kind of like a fireman. Well, with this crazy coronavirus, the market is actually reacting in a fairly reasonable way. Let me explain it. The stock market doesn't like uncertainty. Well, Mr. Stock Market, there's no certainty in an uncertain world. I remember several years ago when Greece had some financial issues and the market was volatile. And I remember thinking, what the heck does Greece have to do with the market? It was just uncertainty somewhere in the world. I've always said in situations like that where it just doesn't make sense, you go and look at the fundamentals of the company. The fundamentals of a company, unless they are tied to Greece as an example, it just shouldn't matter because the fundamentals are strong, they're going to be okay. But the market is also driven by fear, fear of whatever the heck was going to happen in Greece. It's kind of funny, but the reality is a rising tide lifts all boats, but a lowering tide lowers all boats. Now back to the coronavirus. Folks, this is going to affect the fundamentals of companies. It's not fear, it's not panic. Stocks rise and fall based on the fundamentals. They're losing business or they're growing business. In a perfect world, when the company is making money and growing business, the stock would rise. When a stock is losing revenue and not making money, the stock should crater. There are exceptions, such as uh, Amazon and Tesla, that they get a runway to make some profit. Amazon didn't make a profit for a long time. But the stock in those situations are driven by their potential. Well, in this unimaginable situation where the world has shut down, all commerce, everything, unemployment to historic highs, bankruptcies are going to increase. Companies that we all know are not going to exist any longer. And that's not to mention the small businesses, which are the backbone of the country, uh, of economy and employment. We are headed to some tough times in this country slash world. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. We're in some rough sledding. This is going to be much more significant for older folks such as myself because I'm running a runway of time. I mean, in your 60s, if you lose some money, it's substantial. You probably don't have the time to make up for the loss. However, it can be done, and I'll navigate it. In fact, I'll say this. I'm a bit excited, and I think it's going to be fun. Now, that's kind of a weird thing to say. and Maybe get back to me on the next episode after the market crashes on Monday, but I think this is going to be fun. You know, it's easy to make money in a 10-run bull market. But you know what? Have you set yourself up? Or can you make money in a bear market? But I've set my portfolio up for exactly this type of scenario. And though I didn't think it would be this bad, I always thought something really bad can happen. And I have to be able to navigate it. It's kind of like the sentiment of hope for the best and plan for the worst. I've always been a planner for the worst possible case scenario. Now, that's... Pessimism serving me well, and I try to think of myself as an optimist, but I do always try to plan for the worst. Well, I don't know how much worse can get than this, folks, but this shutdown will affect companies' fundamentals for sure, and that's why I'm saying this is going to be tough for the short and long term. I mean, think about the airline industry. Nobody is flying. I heard a flight the other day had one person on it. Well, you don't have to be an economic genius to understand that's not sustainable for profitability. Hotels, I read, are down 80%. I read that McDonald's is down 20%. Small town businesses, which have closed, 
many will not have the, uh, the cash to sustain this downturn and probably won't reopen. So when earnings seasons comes for the stock market in the next quarters, we're going to see some horrific numbers. And I haven't really even talked about unemployment. I mean, this is trickle-down economics at its worst. The le least and less wealthy of our population will get hurt the most. Our government is spending trillions of dollars to keep this afloat, this economy afloat. But guess what? It's borrowed money, and in my humble opinion, it's not going to be enough money. Now, you may see why I think it's going to take five to ten years for recovery. Okay, I'll stop my Armageddon rant. Guess what? I am not the motivational speaker today. But for young folks, maybe I am. This is a buying opportunity of a lifetime. There are companies that will be too big to fail, just like in 2008. I think Bank of America. I think of Ford. I think of GM. Today, I think of Boeing. The government will not let Boeing fail. Companies that are making toilet paper, such as Kimberly-Clark and Procter & Gamble, Beckett-Reichheiser, who makes Lysol, Clorox with the wipes. I would say Purell, but they are a privately held company in Akron, Ohio, and they're a company called Gojo. I'd love to buy their stock, but they are privately held. You got to think about it this way. Investing is a long game. If you're looking to get rich quick, make the big score, and retire like a baller, then you're listening probably to the wrong podcast. Go to the track, play the ponies, play the lottery, whatever. Those that can take this opportunity as a buying opportunity, really either young or old, are going to be just fine. Now, moving on, you know, one thing I've, I've learned is that, you know, retirement is just unemployment. I don't have a job. You don't have a paycheck. You know, after you're 60, you say, oh, you're retired? Yeah, I spent 30 years with my company. But I guess the real answer is I, I, I left my job. I felt I had enough money to live on until I die. So I guess they call it retirement. I did retire officially and I got full retire benefits, but I'm just unemployed and really becoming unemployable. If you're like this and under 60, you're a ski bum or a traveler or unemployed. After 60, you're retired, but it's pretty much the same deal. I don't have a job or a paycheck. I heard a good line in a movie the other day. I love this line. And it said that uh, he was a freelance writer. Now, I think I consider myself a freelance writer. I don't have a paycheck. I'm not retired. But I, I think I'm a freelance writer now. And then, of course, you know I'm kidding. But what I'm really trying to say in this episode is stick to your plan. Remember, it's a long game. And most importantly, believe in yourself. Be decisive. There are a lot of flat squirrels on the road that couldn't make a decision. Use your intuition. I have a, another friend, newly retired, who started using his metrics. He and I discussed different stocks all the time. And he mentioned one I didn't like. But he liked it, and he bought it. He used his intuition, and he made money on the pop-and-drop strategy. He made a decision that was intuitive for him. I was saying, don't do it, but he did it. It worked. He made money. It's exactly why you need to rely on yourself. You've got to put in the work and believe in yourself. I used to tell my kids when they were young, you, you will lay your head on the pillow at night and sleep well when you know that you've done the best you could do that day. When you've done your best, you'll know. When you haven't done your best, you'll know. Do the best you can do every day. So I have a lot of friends retired. I'm in that age, but I had another friend uh, retire and, and a few months back, and he had some dollars to invest, and he listened to season one of the podcast. He understood it and opened a brokerage account and started trading. I felt he did a 
pretty good job of picking his stocks, and he did get counsel from his wife, who was a student of my strategy. Well, one of my questions he asked me was, should I buy this one specific stock today? I said, well, it doesn't fit my metrics. Go ahead. Uh, he said, I'm going to wait for a pullback. And I go, okay, you know, that you hear that a lot. Not a bad thought. It's one I just don't subscribe to. What if it keeps climbing and never pulls back? Not only do you miss some of the run, but now that stock is more expensive, so you buy less shares of the same amount of money. You might say, well, if it goes down, you don't lose on the pullback. Well, there's so many issues in this. First, if I buy a stock using a buy and hold strategy, as I term it a buy and study strategy, I'm buying a good, solid company that fits my metrics, and I buy for the quote, unquote, long haul. I make my buy, as most, most stock buyers do, after they pick a stock, they watch it over the last few days especially, or the first few weeks. And that is when you'll find out if you bought it correctly, or I would say perfectly. Bottom line is, we can't see in the future. We don't know that yet. I'm not sure if there's a rant or a podcast, but I will say I'm committed to bring value as best I can. We're on uncharted territory for sure. That's what gave me a little bit of energy to start podcasting again. However, I feel more confident than ever in my financial plan, my thought process, and we'll get through this. I'm not worried about the kids who were my kids who were 30 and 34 years old. I mean, they're not really kids anymore. This will, I don't know if it'll be a blimp on the radar. This is a pretty significant event and kind of a watershed event. But they'll be pleased that they bought some of these good quality stocks on sale. Don't panic. Stay the course. Study for your future because nobody else will. Take accountability, take ownership, and don't rely on others to figure it out for you. Believe in yourself, believe in your decisions. If you don't believe in yourself, who will? If you do the best you can every day, you'll lay in your bed at night and say, I did good today. So do good. Be honest with others and especially yourself. Last, I've just got to say this for some arrogant reason. I think others need to hear my thoughts, and that's why I podcast, I guess. I humbly say this to those who listen or email me. Thank you. You're enhanced. You've enhanced my life with your inputs and comments. I hope, <laughs> well, you can obviously tell that I'm in the house. Sorry about that. Uh, another email I got was from a woman named Grace. And the interaction that email had me continue this journey. Thanks, Grace, for the bottom of my heart, you gave me energy to continue. Another email was from a gentleman named Benjamin who made me think, think about, why I don't recommend or pick stocks for folks, which then became a major reason why I had the energy to do this podcast. There are so many complicated subjects to talk about. I'm conflicted over what to talk about because remember, this is the beginner's guide to buying stocks. Because I'm not a financial expert, I think at this point, I'll let my audience, you all, email me to suggest topics to cover, things you wanna hear about, what next steps look like for you. I could set the agenda, but I'd rather listen to the audience. So at this point, Grace and Benjamin helped me get the energy to continue. Well, let's just see where it goes from here. I'll leave you with this, however. Do your homework. Do the work. And I say that when I'm going to leave you with, I'm still not going to do any yard work. So God bless you all, and I hope everyone stays well on this Easter Sunday or Easter weekend.